Welcome, everyone, to episode 19 of Rhythm Encounter, the RPG Fan Music Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Myring, Taylor's on the boards, and we have a super special, awesome interview episode today. Joining us is Taylor Davis. Hello, everyone. Excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, we're excited to have you. And also joining us today is my perennial co-host, Mike. I'm Mike on the boards. And then, of course, we have... Caitlin Argeris. I'm Lingazera on the boards. So Taylor, we've been talking to her for a few weeks, trying to find like a good time to get her on, and luckily we all came together now. For anyone who doesn't know her or her work, she's been playing violin for about 18 years, right? Yep, just about 20 at this point. <laughs> okay, 20, sure. I'm losing so more than count at this point. <laughs> so she has, I, I counted about 50 million or so YouTube views, but apparently she has about 76 million as of this recording. So there's... Quite a few people that have seen her videos and her music. So you're a big fan of Zelda, Final Fantasy. I know you like Halo music. Are you a fan of the games too? Oh yeah, definitely. I played a lot of Halo when I was in high school. I used to get together with groups of friends and we'd do the uh, the boxing together. You know, we'd be in different rooms and battling each other. It was good oh, fun. <laughs> oh gosh, I remember doing that. That was so much fun. I know those were the days. I haven't done that in a while. Yeah. Right. Well. Too busy doing other stuff now, I would guess. That's that's sort of what's happened with, I know, on my end at least. But Yeah, I know. As you get older and older now and you just, you know, feel these adult responsibilities and, you know, you don't feel like you should be playing video games as often as you'd like. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I should be being productive, you know. Exactly. That takes various forms, but that's okay. We You try to find time when you can. So we'll just go right ahead and dive into some questions, uh, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, we'll start with some of the super easy ones. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background? You know, maybe more than we sort of just discussed, you know, what kind of musical training do you have, that sort of thing? Yeah, sure. Um, I grew up playing mostly classical music and I started playing when I was about eight years old and I took private violin lessons up until college. And then in college, I did a minor in music just for scholarship purposes, but I really didn't take it very seriously. And at that point, I had kind of lost a lot of interest in the violin and in music in general, just because I didn't really feel very connected to the type of music that I was playing anymore. And also, when I was growing up, um, I was playing tons of video games, very influenced by composers like Nobuo Matsu. He's my all-time favorite. He did mm -hmm. so many of the Final Fantasy games. And I started slipping in some video game tunes here and there. Um, I actually found one website that had quartet sheet music. And so I brought some Final Fantasy quartet arrangements to my um, high school girl quartet. And at first they were like, video game music, what is this? And you know, we played through some of the arrangements and it became some of our favorite things to play at weddings and stuff like that. And people would actually come up to us and ask specifically about those pieces after we had played them. And so... It was really cool to see that, you know, even though people at that point didn't really respect video game music as much, you know, they clearly liked what they were hearing, whether they knew it was video game music or not. And so it wasn't until like really after college that I started thinking about, um, you know, what am I going to do with music now? I'm, I'm done with school. Pretty much everything I had done up until that point had something to do with school or just, you know, my association with being in orchestras or things like that. And so I just kind of randomly on a whim decided to put up a YouTube channel covering video game music because that was the kind of music that I actually liked and, you know, I didn't want to do classical or anything like that. So 
yeah, and it just kind of grew from there. And I, you know, feel so blessed that I get to do what I love for a living now. And especially that I get to, you know, play the violin and be playing video game and film music, like all these nerdy things that I absolutely love. So it's really a dream come true in a lot of ways. That's awesome. Yeah. That's sort of like, you know, I think roughly we might all be the same age. And I think, you know, when I was in high school too, it was sort of like, you know, video game music did not have, I think now it's become a lot more common, you know, now, I mean, heck games are often sold with their soundtracks now, which, you know, back in the day was super hard to come across. You'd have to like import the CD or, you know, find it if there even was a CD. And so I think your work is sort of part of that awesome trend of, you know, the appreciation of it really coming around and, you know, people saying, hey, this is really awesome music, no matter where it comes from, you know, and I think a work like yours sort of really does a good job of spreading that message. So it's awesome that it's sort of a passion project. Yeah, no, thanks. I'm, I'm glad to hear that uh, that you guys think that because definitely that's part of the reason why I choose to continue covering video game music. And, you know, even when I do release my original album in February of next year, I'm still going to keep doing covers and things like that as long as people keep staying interested in it and everything because it is one of those things I like to feel like it's kind of raising a little bit of, bit of awareness and kind of, you know, hopefully bringing a little bit more respect to the genre and everything too, because now it definitely is a lot more mainstream than it used to be. And, and I love seeing that because it's, you know, it's definitely my favorite type of music. Yeah. You know, it's like validation for your hard work too. I mean, I know I, I first discovered your YouTube stuff when you were doing, when you did uh, one of the Kingdom Hearts themes, which is just near and dear to my heart. Oh yeah. And <laughs> I think um, if I recall, didn't you play a show at E3 a couple of years ago? Yeah, that was, I think, um, geez, it was either two or three summers ago. And yeah, it, did, it was as part of NVIDIA's exhibit. And yeah. so we, I was there with two other YouTube musicians, uh, Laura DeWitt and also Kyle Landry. And uh, it was an awesome experience. And uh, Kingdom Hearts music is definitely another favorite of mine. And Kyle is very known for his awesome piano arrangements of Kingdom Hearts. Oh, and Hearts those are gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. And so, yeah, that was a really, really neat experience. It was my first time being at E3. And, you know, of course, I was nerding out hardcore for that because, you know, you always grow up hearing about E3 and it was kind of like a really magical experience. To it's like, that, it's like the pilgrimage to Mecca for, yes. for <laughs> game players. That was actually my first E3. I, actually, I, I was trying to jog my memory because I, Mike and I actually were very fortunate enough to be in the audience for one of your performances at that show. Oh, and I remember that was so like, cool. I was like, oh my gosh, Kingdom Hearts music and it's Taylor Davis. This is awesome. Oh man, that's so fun. Yeah. What a small world. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I think we managed to say hi and not much else. Oh, okay. Well, hey, I'm glad you said hi. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was more than I managed to get out when I uh, saw you play in Seattle, but, you know, <laughs> that's okay. It's all good. Okay. So you've done six albums now, and each one's a little bit different. Like, you have a, you have a Christmas album, you have a game album, you have a Zelda album, um, yep. game and anime. So how do you approach each new project? Like, how do you decide, like, okay, this album is going to be this kind of music or these songs? Yeah, it's uh, it's really changed and kind of evolved uh, over time and, you know, just as my career has evolved and everything, too, because at first, you know, I was living in Michigan up until August of this year. I just moved out to California, uh, but Michigan, you know, there's uh, not a huge music scene and especially... <laughs> 
Um, for YouTube people too, I mean, uh, LA is pretty much the place it's, you know, there's great resources and things like that. But I was in Michigan for, you know, the last four or five years after graduating college and it was tough. Um, I knew I wanted to try and get into music. I started my YouTube channel and then I knew that, you know, if I wanted to actually try and do this as a career, I needed to find a way to make money from it because I don't think a lot of people realize, but a lot of people on YouTube don't actually make money from their YouTube videos because um, if they're doing uh, cover songs, there's copyright issues. And so a lot of times, even if there are advertisements on videos, it's not ads that the uh, content creator put on them themselves. It's actually the publishers have claimed and then they're just keeping all of the ad revenue. So if you want to try and do it for a living, you kind of have to get creative. You need to try and sell albums, you know, do live shows, things like that. And so the first step for me was, okay, you know, I really want to try and do more of this. I want to get more into it more professionally. And so I decided I wanted to create an album. So for my first album, I actually did all of the arranging and orchestrations and everything like mixing, mastering for the album. So I worked on a computer. I bought a bunch of different sample instrument libraries. And what you do is you just play on a MIDI keyboard and you assign um, the different tracks to, you know, if you want a trumpet or if you want a percussion or cello section. It's really, really cool what you can do. You can get these amazing orchestral sounds without actually hiring an orchestra. And so the technology's made it very accessible for independent people like myself to make their own CDs. And so that's what I did for my first three albums because I couldn't afford to hire any other people to do it. And I frankly just didn't know of anyone living in Michigan. And so, um, yeah, the first three CDs, I just chose, you know, bunch of my favorite video game music for gaming fantasy. I put a few anime on there as well because I love anime music. Sadness um, Sorrow, Naruto. Woo! Yes, I love that. Beautiful song. song. <laughs> yes. Um, and then the Christmas album, that was just kind of, you know, a fun like side project. It was also just kind of to keep my skills up with uh, the computer programs and everything too because I've never been formally trained on any of this stuff. I just learned how to do it through watching a bunch of different video tutorials and uh, searching forums for information and things like that. So uh, the Christmas album was just kind of another another one that I did myself. And then for the third album, I worked with uh, Lara, and she came over from Australia. So we split the cost of her plane ticket, and she came over to my house, and we spent about two weeks working on the album together. And again, we just went through like a list of our favorite songs and ones that I hadn't already covered on Gaming Fantasy. And we just made a piano and violin album together. And, you know, that was a really awesome experience. And Laura is extremely gifted at both arranging and performing and everything. So it was very, very fun to get to work with her on that project. Um, and then the last three albums that I've worked on, I've worked with a producer and arranger named Adam Gubman. And he is incredible. He uh, does this professionally for a living. He does all sorts of different things. And He's just amazing. So I feel very, very fortunate that I get to work with him now. And uh, he out, he lives out here um, in the California area where I'm living. So we get to work together on a regular basis now, which is very cool. And uh, for those for those albums, you know, the movie theme album was the fourth one that I put out. And that's just, you know, every everything that I do, I just choose songs that 
are from my favorite movies or favorite video games or whatever it is, or at least songs that I feel a very strong connection to musically. I never want to choose something just because it's popular. You know, a lot of things that I like are popular, but I always, first and foremost, like to choose things that I feel an emotional connection with because I just feel like it'll make for a better performance and translate better on an album. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, like um, I know there was an album release recently, um, Sebastian Wolf and uh, Kristen Nigus and a couple other musicians, the Project Estadi, that Kingdom Hearts album. That's another one where it's like you can tell you can tell the difference between like, you know, not that there's anything bad about just covering a song because it's popular, but you can really tell, I think, when the musician really loves the music they're working with. I think they sort of have that like emotional connection to it. Definitely. Yeah. So now we'll take a quick break and listen to Taylor's cover of The Last of Us theme.
So I think Mike was talking about all the different albums that you've done and you and kinds of music. Do you have a favorite, uh, either a favorite song or a favorite album? Um, it's really hard. I I like. I like all of them for different reasons. Uh, I feel really good about gaming fantasy just because it was it was kind of like the turning point for my career. Uh, when I first put it out there, you have to wait two months before you can see what you've actually made from the album. And so I'd actually quit my day job to make this album. And so I was really, really nervous to see what was going to happen because you know, of course I'd pulled my audience on YouTube. And at that point, my channel was so much smaller, but it was big enough at the time to the point where I felt like I had to at least try this just to see if it could go anywhere because I didn't want to have any regrets. Definitely. And so, yeah, I just that I mean, that album just changed my life because that was the turning point where I was like, wow, this is actually this could work. And if I, you know, kept putting more stuff out there and if people keep staying interested in it and, you know, the this thing grows more then I'll be able to do this for for an actual living. And so that that to me will always be very special just because of that. And, you know, the the amazing people that supported that first album and, you know, made me feel like I could pursue this as a full time thing. I can totally imagine how gratifying that must have been. I mean, it takes guts, I think, to to make a, a change like that and, and not knowing that it's going to work out and to have it not just work out, but to have people so passionate about it must be really awesome. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, like I, I say this a lot, but I really do feel very blessed for uh, the opportunities that I've gotten from doing all of this. And, you know, that it's just it hits me sometimes, you know, maybe I'll be flying to a music video, or, you know, some location to shoot a music video or something. And I just kind of start laughing because I'm like, wow, this is really my life right now. Like I have a Link cosplay outfit in my suitcase and like this is what I'm doing <laughs> that for, is fantastic for my job right now and like you know people are on, you know, on the airplane also they're in their suits and going to their business meetings and everything and I'm like man my business meeting is like cosplaying outside somewhere with my violin like it's really really funny and yeah I just feel very grateful that that's what I get to do right now that's awesome yeah no that that's one of those things where you're sitting there and you're like People are like work sucks. You're like, well, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel guilty sometimes because I'll see people looking like really frustrated and everything, and I'm just like, what the do? You're like, my costume is awesome. On the subject of costumes, this is way off topic, but the one for your Last of Us video is amazing. I adore that soundtrack, and so like, I only heard the track from it at first, like, and I, I th it was a great arrangement, you know, sit here feeding your ego, but I liked it a lot. But the, <laughs> the costuming in that, that video was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that, that was such a, oh man, I love that game so much. And Me so too. I really wanted to do that video. And actually I was so sick that day that we filmed it. We almost didn't do it because I got like a horrible flu and then like an eye infection that lasted for about a month. It was awful. Oh my gosh. That. Oh man. It was really, really messed up. But you know, it was like raining that morning too. And we were like, well, let's just go out and we'll see what happens. And so um, we just kind of like powered through the first couple of scenes and then we were like, all right, we're out here. We're doing this. This is going to look really cool. And uh, I work with fifth gen films a lot and uh, that's who I worked with for the last of us video. And they're just very, very fun to work with uh, really do awesome work. And, you know, when we're shooting something, they'll show me what it looks like on the camera in between our different scenes and everything. And so that was definitely motivation because uh, out where they live, they they have all these really cool locations that are very close by, and 
it was just looking so like the game on camera with all the different um, kind of like broken out houses and stuff we were going to. So it was definitely good motivation to keep going with us. And that that turned out to be one of my favorite videos. So I'm really glad that we finished that one up. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you did, too. That I'm a huge fan of that game, too. So when as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, my gosh, got to watch it. Yes, I actually um, I, I just bought the T-shirt online at some random store. I just Googled, you know, Last of Us T-shirt and, uh, you know, just wore clothes that I had that looked kind of like Ellie's outfit for the rest of it. And then I made that mask at home and I brought it in my suitcase and I'm surprised it didn't get confiscated <laughs> because <laughs> it looks so bizarre. But it definitely looked um, way better at a distance. Uh, you know, that's why we didn't do any close-ups with it. But <laughs> it looked really legit on camera, the way that they colored the video and everything. And um, again, 5th Gen going above and beyond. That was Mackenzie. She's one of the people in 5th Gen. And she dressed up as the clicker for me. And <laughs> she was pouring, like, Hershey's chocolate syrup on her mouth for <laughs> You know, the fake blood effect, and it was just hilarious. She was a really good sport. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we, you, had a, we had fun. <laughs> how did you find that spot? Like, where was that film? Because it was just such a cool location. That was all different locations in Corvallis, Oregon. Oh, and so. Okay. Fifth Gen, that's where they were living before. And so but, uh, most of my outdoor videos are filmed in Oregon, very close to where they lived. And it was awesome because every time I would visit, you know, we, we wouldn't have too far to go to get the locations that we were looking for. And, you know, it was very economical in terms of, you know, we're not just going one place for a video. We were able to do a bunch of different videos in, you know, the, the surrounding area. And so, yeah, it just, um, it turned out that that was like, perfect last of us territory all within like you know 20 minutes of where they lived and we just kind of hit up all these different locations and we finished filming in probably five hours so it was pretty quick wow that's awesome yeah, yeah. that was actually my my first introduction to your work was that that cover i think steven actually sent it to me I'm, oh, no cool. I'm notorious for freaking out and sending people things that i think are fantastic and i just go crazy and send the link like 30 times i'm like look at this look at this look at this Hey, well, you're the reason that I'm still doing this stuff because if people weren't sharing it, then it wouldn't be growing. So I really appreciate that. Oh, no problem. I'll do my part. <laughs> <laughs> nice. He will go above and beyond. Trust yeah. me. Hey, that's, that's how I like to hear it. <laughs> so this is a question I like to ask everybody we interview. So if no obstacles in the way, what would be your dream collaboration with another composer, or artist, or musician, uh, living, dead, you know, Japanese, American, any, any anyone at all? Uh, go. Oh gosh, this is so hard. <laughs> I well, I asked the, you know, this is one of the easy ones, right? No. <laughs> I know, this one's tough. I mean, I guess um, if it was a composer, uh, working with somebody like Nobuo Matsu would be ridiculous because that, you know, I grew up just loving all of his soundtracks and, you know, I, I would buy them all on eBay because at that time that was the only place that you could find them and I'd get them like yeah. imported from Japan or whatever. I'd save up my allowance or birthday money and be buying like these Final Fantasy original soundtracks. It was pretty ridiculous. <laughs> I know that pain. Uh, yeah. Oh man. But I don't know. As far as um, another musician or artist, I think um, there's there's a group on YouTube called the Piano Guys that I just I love what they do. And oh, yeah. they're not they're not super. Um, well, I've never seen them do a video game cover, but they do film covers a lot. And, 
they go to beautiful locations and I just, I really like their style and everything too. And, you know, they're very big on YouTube and, you know, they're signed by a major label. So I don't know if I'll ever have the chance to work with them, but that would be a really, really fun thing for me to work with people like that. Awesome. So you, you mentioned briefly, uh, like buying Final Fantasy soundtracks. Another, this is another probably difficult question. Do you have a favorite one? Like, Oh yes, Final Fantasy VII, hands down. <laughs> I, I like that one a lot too. That one has sort of like a really distinctive sound. You, like even among like the three PlayStation Final Fantasies, I think there's a lot of like variety between the sounds in each one of those. And yeah. Seven sort of has that really distinctive like I don't have a great musical vocabulary, but you know that marching Rufus's theme and the Shinra yeah. theme. Like I said, you know Final Fantasy VII when you hear it. I think it's like it's oh, hard yeah. not to identify that. Definitely, definitely. I read your fact to make sure we weren't asking anything that's you know already on your website but one thing you mentioned on there that i just thought was really interesting is you mentioned that your violin um is handmade and it's like from the 1960s so how did you end up with that Uh uh-oh that's bad information i haven't updated my site in a while clearly okay Poor wait. Yeah, sorry. Um, it should be. I actually have one that I use now that's from the 1700s. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. You dropped a couple hundred years there. Impressive. I did. I did. Yeah, I upgraded. And the reason I was able to afford this instrument is because uh, it's a violin shop I had been going to since I was in middle school back in Michigan, and. Uh, they just got this instrument in because, you know, the person who had it before upgraded to something, you know, I don't know how it could be upgraded because I love this instrument so much. But um, it's somebody back in the early 1800s, at least the paperwork they have on it, broke the top. And so the top is a completely different type of wood than the rest of the violin. And so it looks kind of jankety. And then on top of that, um, it's just devalued it so much because a lot of people will collect those types of instruments not to play on them, but as investment pieces or whatever. And since it's not really an investment piece, um, it was something that I could afford. And so I was very excited about whoever broke that back in the 1800s. I'm very <laughs> happy with them because it's it's an amazing instrument. And you know to have that like aged quality, even though the top was broken, it got replaced in time to where that wood aged along with the rest of it pretty well. And so that's, uh, yeah, that's the story behind my current violin. <laughs> wow. That's, wow, that's a good so story. I'm going I'm to sound super ignorant here. Do you find like, is there a difference in the quality of like an older instrument or is it like a different quality to the sound? You know, it really depends on the particular instrument. Um, I've tried so many different ones over the last few years because the one that I used up until I graduated college was um, fairly inexpensive, especially by, you know, um, even by student instrument standards. And so when I got my first job, one of the things that I did was I upgraded to, you know, what was considered a more nicer student quality violin. And that was a huge difference between my older violin and, um, you know, when I upgraded from that one to the one that I have currently, it was just another huge difference. And really when I was trying all of the different ones, trying to make my decision, it so just depends on the maker and, you know, a lot of different factors. I mean, age definitely will give it a different type of sound, but there were certainly some of the older ones that I tried that didn't sound at all better than the one that I had previously that was from the 1960s. So just all depends. You got to try a lot before you make your decision. (laughs) 
I'll go Harry Potter nerd style and say it's like choosing a wand, right? Of course. <laughs> That's a great analogy. I mean, you do just kind of know when you've played the one that you want. It's pretty funny because as soon as I played a note on that thing, I was like, oh my gosh. And then I was like, please don't. I was like, don't tell me the price. But <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, it's nice because they let you trade in your old instrument towards the purchase of a new one. And then they actually, because they were just trying to get rid of this one basically because of... Um, you know, kind of the value or whatever issue with it being, um, you know, not so much of a collector's item. They gave me a nice discount, so that was good. <laughs> yeah, you really can't go wrong with a nice discount on something like that. And, you know, there's a certain mystique to saying, yeah, well, you know, it's from the 1700s. <laughs> yeah, no, it is pretty funny. I, I get very uh, protective of it, especially when I travel. Like, I don't often take it places, but, you know, I took it to my live shows this last time, and um, I will take it for certain performances and everything, but you know, so a lot of the time, um, people will tell me, "Oh, well, that's probably not going to fit above in the overhead. You might have to check that." And I'm like, "No, I'll buy a seat for it if I have to." <laughs> You're like, yeah, this is not going. This is not getting checked. I've seen where those go. Oh gosh, yeah, no. One of my um, good friends, she's actually sometimes um, she's in this group I'm in called Critical Hit. It's like a video game rock band. Oh yeah, Critical Hit's awesome. And my friend, uh, Tina, she's an amazing cellist, and she, whenever she travels with her cello, she always buys a plane ticket for it, and it sits right next to her because um, you just can't trust those kinds of instruments, yeah, with baggage claim or anything like that. Oh, and no. she, yeah. had to, she had to do that for, um, forget what show it was, but it was over in Europe, and it was a rental cello, so it wasn't hers. And I, I guess the group that she was performing with didn't want to pay for the extra seat. So they said, just check it. And she took pictures of it and posted them afterwards. And it was just in pieces. Oh, gosh. Oh. And yeah, and that's a cello, too. I mean, I can't imagine poor violin what would happen so small. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a painful story. Yeah, thankfully. I mean, obviously, it was really sad for whoever owned the instrument because it was a rental. But um, yeah, I mean, that's just, it's a good lesson to not do that if you can avoid it for sure. It is interesting. I, I was just thinking of this, that you make music on a violin from 1700s and then along with that, you work on a computer that's like, what, two, three years old, if even <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. I don't know. Exactly. It's an interesting combination. Yeah. The old yep. and the new. Yep. Yeah. It's very interesting. Okay. So for anyone who's listening, who isn't aware, although you should be, you're running a Pledge Music campaign for your new album yes. with original yes. music. So how has that been going? Pretend I haven't you know, been following it and tell me how it's going. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, um, that's been going very great, actually. Uh, very much exceeded my expectations uh, because I the whole campaign got funded in less than a week. And so I was really just blown away by the generosity of my supporters who came out for that one because... Um, you know, they've they've enjoyed my covers and everything. And I've I've only put out two original songs so far. And just the fact that they had that much faith in what I was going to create for an entire album before actually hearing more really, really just, you know, it touched me deeply. And it just makes me want to do like the best possible job on this album that I can do. And so I'm really, really excited about working on this. I've already gotten um about eight songs, uh, very close to being finished. What I'm doing right now is I work with the producer that I work with on my last three albums, Adam, and he and I will go into the studio and we'll 
write a backtrack together. And then I will take that home and I will just figure out what I want the violin lead and everything to sound like. And so that's kind of the process that I'm at for most of the songs right now is doing the violin part. So it's already coming along really well. And I'll be releasing the album in February of next year. So it'll be actually pretty quick coming out here, you know, especially after all the holidays. I'm a little nervous about you know getting everything done in time with everything else coming up, but it's uh, it's something that I've been wanting to do for a very long time, and um, just the fact that my fans came out and supported it, and you know financially, it's not something that I I have to really take a risk on now, which is awesome because every time that I work on a new album, if I'm working with a producer, if I'm hiring people for things. It's always, you know, you kind of go in the hole on that album to start out with. And then once you release it, you start to make that money back. But with an original album, you just don't know if people are going to be interested in it or, you know, they'll say they're interested on your YouTube videos, but then, you know, not many people actually go buy the single or whatever. And so it's very hard to gauge. And, um, you know, as much as I want to do things that I'm truly passionate about, I also want to be able to sustain this as a career for as long as I can. And so... Um, thankfully I do still love doing the covers and everything. And, um, you know, it's, it's great to be able to do an original thing now and then, you know, continue with some covers. And if the original album is well received, then I'll definitely start on another one at some point too. Cause I, I love doing both things. I, I like that you, you almost downplay the two original songs. You're like, you're surprised that people supported you. It's like, they, well, they've only heard these two. And it's like, but they're two really, really good songs. Oh, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. And now we'll take another quick break and listen to Taylor's original song, Awakening.
you mentioned, well, somewhere, I'm sure you mentioned it, about <laughs> doing a touring next year. Yeah, um, you know, I would love to do more live performances. It's a little bit tough with where I'm at right now because I don't have any management. I don't have an agent. Um, I pretty much just, you know, literally an independent musician. And I will hire people here and there for, you know, production work, things like that, like very good skilled people to do those things that I can't. But um, in order to do like an actual tour, I would be very, very nervous trying to set that up myself uh, just with, you know, doing my own few live shows back in April and then also in September. It was so much work and, you know, it was just for two shows at a time. So I would love to, you know, if I'm going to put that kind of work into it in the future, I'd love for it to be more than just two shows at one given time. And I'd love to be able to go out and meet more people. Like I had just an awesome time at um, both sets of shows that I did, but it is tough. Um, and it is tough financially too, when you're just doing the one-off shows because you have to fly yourself there. You have to fly if you've got someone you're performing with. And this last round I performed with my friend Salome Scheidegger. She played piano and I loved having her there and I would love to have her at future shows too. So you got that and then you have to have someone to run your show too. And I use my husband. So I go as cheap as I possibly can. <laughs> I will get him to, you know, <laughs> run the videos and things like that. And then, um, you know, you've also got to have somebody to help out with merchandise and things like that too. And, um, it's, it's interesting. Like I had no idea what it all entailed until I did it. And I have such a respect for, especially like other independent people who do it on their own because it's a lot of work and you know even people who do have the management and stuff too because it is just you know it's a lot of work it's a lot of time and you know it is a ton of fun though I have to say I mean it's it's one of those things where it definitely feels like it's worth the effort and you know it's the first time for me that I've actually been able to meet people in person because my whole career pretty much exists online for the most part and it's so different seeing people and actually like getting to interact with people in person as opposed to online and, you know, just through YouTube comments or whatever. And that was really, really special for me. And it's just nice to be able to like connect with the people who are really supporting you and really passionate about what you're doing. So that part of it, I absolutely love. I'm sure you get much better feedback from people in person versus YouTube comments. <laughs> well, yeah, I have to say I my my audience on YouTube is... I would say 99% of people are pretty nice on there for what I've seen compared to uh, other people's channels and just oh, well, really good. from from what I expected too. Um, I have to say I'm very, very grateful for the people that go on there and comment and say nice things and everything because especially when you're first starting out and you aren't really making anything with it and you're looking for that feedback, that's really all you have. And it could really, really destroy your momentum or just your motivation to continue posting if people were just really mean all the time and you never heard anything nice. So, yeah, I'm very grateful for those people who are around in the early stages. And then, of course, now still that just, you know, say nice, encouraging things. I really like to, you know, read the comments and it makes me feel great. For once, you don't have to scold. We don't have to scold YouTube for speaking out of turn. That's good. I'm, I'm proud of YouTube right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, really, of course, everybody who posts on there gets nasty comments. And I remember even like the first few nasty ones that I was getting and it hurts your feelings so bad at first. It's hilarious because 
at this point, it just bounces right off because, you know, like you get to a certain point where you're like, you know what, I'm either going to spend my energy and focus on the nice people and respond to those people and give them my attention, or I'm going to reward bad behavior and give in to the trolls that are just trying to be negative. And, you know, you don't want to do that because there's so many really nice people out there and I'd much rather focus my attention and everything on those people. And, you know, cause there's only so much time to go around and I can't respond to everyone anyway. So it's just, you know, you got to totally ignore the nasty people. Yeah, definitely. It's like, you know, uh, you, you could sort of choose to absorb in the negative or, you know, you know, I guess there's like, you know, there's 76 million people. There's probably plenty of positive comments to dive yeah. into there, <laughs> you know, at a oh, certain point, it's like, yeah, what are you gonna worry about? Right. Exactly. And, you know, you just can't really at a certain point, you know, as long as you feel good about what you're doing and, you know, enough of the people that you care about feel good about what you're doing, then all the rest of it is just kind of you you can't you can't worry too much about what people are saying negatively about it. Yeah, you can't please everybody. Exactly. Well, I think we're going to wrap things up here. So so for a final question, do you have anything that you want to say to your fans or hopefully maybe in small part to this podcast, future fans? Or do you have any projects or links you'd like to share with our readers? This is your chance to just plug away. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I would love it if, uh, you know, if you're new to my music, if you checked out my YouTube channel, because you can watch all of my videos there for free and see what music you like. I do a ton of anime and film and video game stuff, of course. And then you'll be seeing a lot more original music out of me um, come early next year once I release my new album. So if you want to check out the album, uh, the Pledge Music campaign is going on right now, and that'll be going on up until I release the album. And it's really, it's a cool site, and I'm not just saying this. Um, I actually really enjoyed using it uh, because it's a chance for me to kind of show people behind the scenes uh, what I'm doing because I don't often do that on my YouTube channel or anywhere else really. But with the pledge campaign, that's kind of the whole point of it. It's not so much to, you know, just raise money for the album. That's definitely a part of it. But a big part of it is anyone who pledges uh, gets the access pass, they call it. And so that kind of just gets you in on this feed that I update um, week on a weekly basis. And I've been doing a bunch of videos on there. Like some of the people were asking if I could describe how I made some of my multi-screen videos. And so I went through that process on there and gave them the whole inside scoop. And then um, I showed them the uh, photo shoot. You know, I haven't shown any of my um, recent photo shoot shots for my new album anywhere else, but I'll show that on my pledge campaign and just things like that. Like it's a really... It's a nice community on there. People are really active. They ask questions, and I definitely prioritize answering people over there, too. So it's it's a really fun thing um, that I've really enjoyed being a part of so far because it's, it's not just, you know, been a way for me to get my album funded, but it's also a way for me to really connect more with my fans, which I've really enjoyed. Well, awesome. Taylor, thank you so much for taking your evening and chatting with us. This is very interesting and a lot of fun. Uh, we've we wanted to interview you forever, so I'm glad that we finally had a chance to. My, I know Mike and I have been big fans for a long time, and now we've sort of been instructing Caitlin on what she has to listen to <laughs> being a new fan. Um, so Excellent. You know, yeah, bring her over. <laughs> yes, exactly. The, the Last of Us video did the work for me. I just had to link it. But, oh, uh, excellent. That's good to hear. <laughs> 
But again, uh, for Mike and for Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, thank you so much and really appreciate it. And I hope you guys continue to enjoy what I post. <laughs> All right. Well, for Taylor, for myself, for Mike and for Caitlin, thank you very much for listening tonight. And taking us out is Taylor's cover of Dragon Roost Island from The Legend of Zelda Wind Maker. <laughs>